Welcome to the Northside Podcast, created to help you discover real life. You can tune in each week on Facebook or Church Online to watch live, or you can listen throughout the week on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Now, let's jump into this week's episode. Well, good afternoon, Northside. So good to see you today. Really glad to be here. You may notice that we have just a little bit different looking set here. I got with me today Mike Morley, and a little bit later on in the show, we're going to have a couple of teachers with us. I know a lot of you parents are really excited about seeing some of our teachers uh, tonight to help us answer some of those questions. Today, we want to jump right in because we're really trying to do some different things with this podcast. One of the things we want to do is make sure that you can count on us from week to week to bring you some of the best programming you're going to get. We want to kind of cut through the misinformation that's going on and just give you some really rock-solid truth and information that's out there. And we believe in personal responsibility, so I know that once you have the truth, you know how to make a decision, and we want to try to give you that sort of information. But tonight, one of the great things that we learned this past week, again, once again, Governor Cooper came and he spoke to the country, or I should say to North Carolina, and he let us know that we are three more weeks into the Safer at Home process, and that means that we are holding in a holding pattern in phase two again, so we have not moved forward again. And there are some things that that means to us as a church. So tonight I want to talk about our issues of regathering. What does that look like for us? I also want to talk in regard to that in terms of our church health. What does it look like for the church being that it has been now four months and going into five months that we have not been gathered together? How does that look for us? And what are the decisions that we're looking at making? And then finally in the last segment, which will actually be the largest segment that we want to do tonight, is talking about the fact that he not only spoke about the safer at home, but also given some information out to the school systems. And the information that he gave to the school systems is, I would say, somewhat incomplete. And if you're a parent sitting at home, you can hear, well, you can go to school and the potential of going to school for a week and then being off for two, doing online for two, and then swapping through three different groups of people. Or the possibility of doing completely everything online, or there's a possibility that you could homeschool your kids. And if you're a parent like I was, I don't have children in school anymore, but at that time I would be thinking, how do I do stuff online? Uh, How do I make this decision? What's the best decision? And I can tell you this, I am not the expert in that by any stretch of the imagination. So we have a couple of ladies in our our, uh, congregation that have both recently retired, which means they've, they've spent their careers working through the school systems, and they have some incredible insight tonight that they want to bring, Mike, and I know that you're excited about that. Yes. I'm excited about that. I'm looking forward to uh, hearing, hearing about some that. of those things, and I think that our parents and anybody, if you know anybody that's questioning what to do in the school systems, I'd encourage you to, to share this and pass it on so that others could learn. So at the very beginning part of this segment of the show, we really, really do want to talk about some of the things that the governor said to us and what do we do about regathering. Yeah, he brought up that about regathering or what will be the outcome. So I remember, Pastor, you sharing um, that you were shooting that we would be able to have church sometime at the beginning of August uh, with what the governor said about the continuance of us safer at home does that change your opinion it really does i had really hoped that we would be moving forward by now but uh, let me just say this about the the pandemic i personally am not concerned about the pandemic 
I have my own personal opinions about it and what I think that it is. I think that the COVID-19 is a genuine disease. I think that there's a reality to it. There's certainly a vulnerable population that is going to be affected by that. But given the statistics and the numbers, I think you have to take relevant numbers of what we're trying to look at. And so some of the numbers that are out there, that they do not cause me a great deal of concern. Uh, what does cause me concern and pause is the fact that we are a church under the authority of the government. And so we do have a testimony to keep. And we certainly don't want to look like a rogue church out here in our community that we're trying to reach. And so there's some things that we have to do to try to discover what it is we're going to do. At this point, uh, we are not going to regather in August. I think that that would be ill-advised to do that in light of all that's going on and for the sheer panic that seems to be out there right now. So we're not going to do that. And I've decided instead of trying to set another date, because I never know (laughs) what those dates are going to be, uh, we're going to go to a month-to-month strategy. So I know that the governor will speak again in about three weeks. And we'll look at September. So September is the next date that we're looking at. And then if it doesn't happen in September, then October will be the next date. And if it doesn't happen in October, then November will be the next date. And the reason that I say that is there are some churches that have already made a call that they are going to actually uh, shut down all the way to the end of the year. And I don't feel that I want to make that call. If, as soon as there is an opportunity for us to come back together, I really want to come back together as quickly as we possibly can, and I'll make that a month-to-month type of thing. But so far as right now, we will not be regathering in August. Our next potential date will be the 1st of September. So since we're not going to gather together as a collected church, are there some opportunities that we can gather together in, like, smaller groups? Yeah, I really think there are. As, as you well know, Mike, we are not under a mandate. The church is not under a mandate. Right. The church could come back together right now. I don't feel that that is the right thing to do before our community and before our congregation at this particular moment, though we are almost fully prepared to bring them back, both from a sanitation standpoint, from the hand sanitizers that we have, the cleanliness operations, the supplies that we have stockpiled to make sure that we're ready. We have a cleanup crew. We have a cleanup (laughs) crew. We have a plan in place. Uh, We could come back together right now, but again, I think that it's ill-advised at this particular moment with all the numbers rising. And again, I just ask you to tune in with me next week. I'll be talking a bit about that information. But for today, we would really love to see a continued gathering because I think that right now our congregation, as well as just general people in general, are hungry for fellowship to be around somebody. This morning, as I was preaching, we had uh, Mitch Layton was baptized. His family was here. That was exciting. Our staff is here. It, the dynamic of me being able to preach to an actual living, breathing human being as opposed to empty chairs just makes a world of difference for me. And so I know that for each one of us, we would love to be together. So what, we, what we're going to do, we already have small groups that are meeting on campus at different times, and they're meeting in person, about 15, 10 to 15 or less mm-hmm. that we're able to do that. And one of the things that I would like to see happen, and we'll leave this up to people, we give you... Uh, personal responsibility. you got to take responsibility for your life. But we also want to provide an opportunity. Uh, I think that we could invite a couple of small groups, no more than about 30 people, into the sanctuary for the worship service that is going to be going on. 
And if there was a couple of small groups that we could divide and split, we've got more than enough room to social distance in this building. But we would love to bring in at least a couple of small groups every Sunday morning if they would be willing to do so on a rotation-type basis so that not only do you get the preaching of the Word and the worship time that goes on, but you can also enjoy a measure of fellowship. We can at least see each other. We can talk to each other. Obviously, we have to take care of maintain distancing, masks, and things like that. But it's really hard to describe what having that fellowship uh, is able to do. And so whether that be a Sunday school class, a small group, or if you're not in a small group, there can be some sign-ups for a group of people that yeah. would come that are not currently involved in the group. But we still want to bring people together. So there are small groups on campus on Sunday mornings and other times we're using this, utilizing this building, and we're, we were desiring to bring some people back during the worship services as well. So are you planning on making any uh, current changes to our schedule to accommodate that? Yes, I really am. Uh, we had moved to the 9 o'clock hour because we felt like that we were coming back on August. Right. I mean, I really felt like this was going to happen, but then it didn't. So uh, we felt like that short-term kind of moving it to 9 o'clock because there is a technological bridge that has right. to happen. And I don't know if you guys are aware of this or not, but I tend to get a little long. This morning I <laughs> really? took up every single possible moment that was allotted to me. And even some that were not, I took this morning. Uh, now, here's the thing. We didn't have to have transition between services and things like that. But right. at the same time, I've got to give Worth and Holly the opportunity to get the service ready to rebroadcast it all over again. So that was the main reason that we moved to 9 o'clock. But now that we're looking at a longer period of time and we really don't know what that is going to look like, I am making uh, some moves that I share with our worship team and staff the other day, and that is we are going to return to our regularly scheduled services at 8 o'clock, 9.30, and 11. The 8 o'clock service, and this will start next week, the 8 o'clock service will be our live service. I'll be in here live preaching at 8 o'clock, and then we will rebroadcast that service at 9.30 and 11 o'clock, and at other times during the day on Sunday, I think it's 1, 3, and 7 or something like mm -hmm. that. Uh, you have to check on that. Uh, but then also it'll be on demand throughout the week. But on Sunday morning, 8 o'clock live, then 930, then 11, uh, there will be a broadcast of our children's student, or student yep. services. And, and when it, students, student service would be at 930 uh, and 11. And then for our kids, preschool and elementary, we went back to back, 930 and 11. So the start, sign, start time for preschool is 930. Start time for elementary will be 11 o'clock. Oh, that's good. That way we can um, still maintain everything. And we, we're trying to give you as much choice as possible to make things as normal as possible as we can for you. And you may notice that we have a, a bit of a different setup here. Last Sunday when we did our uh, podcast, it w sound was a, a, a very, very challenging issue. So we had one microphone up here, and we've tried to limp along with it, but we made a commitment that this is going to be one of our major, major platforms to be able to not only do discipleship, which ultimately this will become, but right now there's so many things that people are looking for. Current events to, they, taking they place. They need to know some answers. Yes. They really do. And we want to make sure that you can hear it, that you can see us. And shoot, we look like we look like the Mike and Mike <laughs> show up here. It's we, like a radio we, broadcast right here. You we, know what we I mean? We might talk about all I need kinds to change of, my voice. Yes. 
This is the I'm voice. Looking, of, this is the voice of Northside. I'm looking forward to these <laughs> wonderful ladies coming to join us in a few. Yeah, in a few minutes, we're going to be able to do that. But we are, uh, like I said, eight o'clock, nine thirty, and eleven, starting next to Sunday. Next Sunday. Be ready for that. And one of the reasons we're doing that is some of the Sunday school classes, small groups, had to jog their time around it because they had become accustomed to a particular time. And so we want to pull back on that and say, thank you for your cooperation. We really appreciate it. We've not received any complaints or anything. But as a staff, we want to do everything we can to serve you to the best of our ability. So we felt like this was one of the ways that we could do it. We also tried our podcast on Monday night because we were trying to work our way around some of the small groupings and uh, gatherings and stuff like that. But then we recognized that a lot of people just are not able to get either off from work or home or their kids ready or food fed or something like that. So we felt like that we could move it back to Sunday. Now I had a wedding rehearsal to do today that I had already had pre-scheduled. So we've moved this to five o'clock today, but starting next Sunday, we're going to return the podcast back to four o'clock so that we can provide a much better hour for everybody involved. And that's uh, really I think an important thing to do. And one of those reasons also is the fact that we have discipleship at five o'clock on Sunday afternoons. Right. So again, if you want to get connected and have fellowship, encouragement, and, and grow spiritually, I'd encourage you to look online uh, at our discipleship classes and go ahead and try to jump in one. Yeah, I think that, that that's a good thing. That's it's something that we really want to do as much as we can for you. And we're working on different ways of doing things, and especially as we saw that, how, how long is this going to go on? You know, if it was up to me, I'd bring everybody back next week, but it really isn't, and so many of our decisions are kind of hinged on the decisions of the higher-ups, right. and so we have to really look at what we're doing there. And we but, care about our people, and we don't want to put you in a bad position to make that decision. No, we don't. And, you know, one of the things, and, and I hope for all of you who are watching, uh, whether it's live or you're watching the rebroadcast, one of the things that we really had to discuss was church health. Uh, how how do you think our church has been doing through this, Mike? As far as I mean, whenever body. you think when you think about, there was a time, and it has been that long ago, that if there was a snow day, a hurricane day, oh yeah, and church was going to possibly be canceled on a Sunday, we we were sweating yes. bullets. Like, oh my goodness, we will nobody nobody's, nobody's going to give, nobody's going to support <laughs> us. I mean the place going to go bankrupt and all those kind of things we have been out for over four months i can only just applaud our people the way they have given the way they have been so understanding so patient so caring loving and we stay in contact uh through emails and by phone but uh it's our church health uh, and even the baptisms oh my goodness been incredible uh so I would say our church health, uh, as you grade us one through ten a couple of weeks ago in your sermon, I, I still give them a ten. <laughs> I do too. Um, you know, I've been asked, am I fearful that as this continues to linger on, do we feel that the church is going to lose momentum, that people will quit supporting, that people will quit giving? And to be completely honest with you, uh, I'm overwhelmed at how you have already supported all, all the way through. And it's been kind of a, a, a test for me in terms of, uh, boy, where's my faith at? Right. But you guys have been so faithful, and I'm so encouraged by the church because whatever this is going on, if it was an attempt, if there's any attempt whatsoever 
to shut down the faith community in America, the faith community here in Wilmington, I don't believe it'll be successful. God's church has been strong for over 2,000 years, and I don't believe that this right here is going to overcome it. The Bible says that the gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of God. And so I just feel like that we're going to continue to be strong, and it's really important. Uh, let, let, me, let me say this, too. Um, for kids, the preschool and the elementary, they're going to run back-to-back both 9.30 and 11 o'clock. So the start times for the preschool are going to be 9.30 and 11 o'clock, and then elementary at 10 and 11.30 ah. because they're a little bit uh, tighter together. Gotcha. But for all of you parents who may want that information, it will be on our website so that there's clarity there. But we want you to know that we're kind of going back uh, to some of those other things. So from a church health standpoint, um, I applaud our staff and I applaud our volunteers. Yes. Both. Uh, oftentimes, you know, we, we love our volunteers and we appreciate everything they do and every Sunday and Wednesday and so much that they do. And there's no way to repay them. There's no way to really say how much we appreciate them. On the other side of that coin, what a volunteer needs as much as anything, is clarity from a staff member, clarity from the person who is leading the ministry, clarity of where they're going, what are they doing, how are they getting it done, and also somebody who's doing a lot of legwork behind the scenes so when our volunteers show up that they're equipped and prepared. And uh, I just want to give a huge shout-out to our staff who's working very diligently and very hard behind the scenes to make everything happen the way that it's supposed to. So we're extremely, extremely blessed in that regard. But you know one of my greatest excitements about tonight? What? It really is. Um, I don't think about it a lot because my son graduated high school a long time ago. Both of my girls are going to. And yours are out of school. But, man, today I'm trying to think if Andy was home, me and Terry have always worked, and now all of a sudden we've got to figure out what to do with our kids. What would you do? I mean, what would you do? So tonight we have an extra special blessing. One thing you'll figure out is that me and Mike – Brother, we know the scriptures. We know the Bible. We really do, and we know ministry. And if you want to know about that stuff, just ask us. But once you step outside of that, you'll start to discover we're we kind of dumb. Yeah, I need some help. We're kind of dumb. And I'm not in the school systems, and you don't want me in the school system, but we have people sitting in our pews that are brilliant. Now, they may not think they're brilliant, but they really are. They know so much more than they ever let on knowing. So I'm going to invite a couple of ladies tonight to come on up. You guys come on up. Um, I'm going to let them give you give the introduction as to who, who they, what they know and where they're at. But so far as our church is, is concerned, most of you know uh, Kim Baltzieger. She is here to my left. And also, Mike, who do you got over there to your right? It's Anita Benton. Anita Benton. Now, you know, we got about three of them here at the church. Well, Nita has taught school publicly as just like Kim has, but now Anita teaches more on online. She is married to Charles Benton, is her husband, so uh, he well, works at GE. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let them introduce themselves. Kim, how about tell this tell these folks who you are? Okay, I'm Kim Baltziger. I have taught school for 29 years. I recently retired Ooh, bless you. from New Hanover you earned that. Schools. I did earn that. <laughs> you earned that, girl. Um, I have taught kindergarten, first, second, and third grade. Did you finish uh, in third grade? I finished in third grade wow. just this past, this past so school year. So you've been year. in the classroom for 29, 29 years. 29 years, yes. Wow. 
Do you have any idea how many kids that you have launched out there? Oh, a lot. A lot. I bet it's hard to let them go, isn't it? It is. You yeah. get really attached. At the same time, I'll bet you're rejoicing. I am. I, I, I know. It's a <laughs> two-edged sword there, isn't it? Yes. Well, Anita, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, my name's Anita Benton, and there is another Anita Benton, so try not to confuse us in the church. I'm the one that is a retired public school teacher like him. I taught high school math for a very long time and then became an instructional technologist in the public school system. So I help teachers learn how to use technology. Um, and then I retired and I started working online, training teachers first and now teaching math again online for a school called North Carolina Virtual Academy. So whenever it comes to the governor saying that there's a possibility of you being fully online, that that is familiar to you? Yes. That's correct. Okay. And Kim, for you to say that you would sort of understand the challenges that not only would the parent have, because I know that parents are kind of nervous right now, but I would imagine the teachers are nervous right now. I imagine so. I yes. would. So what we want to do for the remainder of the segment of this show is we want to talk about this. And if you guys have questions, uh, we certainly want to make sure that we can answer your questions. But before we start answering some questions, I really want both Kim and Anita to kind of lay forward some of the stuff that I think that we could really help them with. And so I, I want to start with Kim first because the, the majority of the people have been in class. They're, they're kids that are accustomed to being in class. And now all of a sudden they're kind of bumped out. So when they're bumped out and it just throws the agenda out the window, kind of like here at church, you know, we're accustomed to people gathering and then, you know, overnight we had to figure this out. The advantage that we had is not everybody has a worth and a holly that we just say, hey, guys, figure it out. And then we sit up here and act like we know what we're doing. It was different than that in the classroom because you had to figure it out. You didn't have somebody that you just said, hey, let me know and I'll show up. So how was that for you? Well, I retired July 1st, but I actually taught this past school year. So I was part of the group of teachers across the, the country that had to figure it out mm. um, March 13th, whenever the governor said we're not in school anymore. So, um, you know, that was such a learning curve for me. I'm pretty well versed with technology and pretty good at it. And I struggled even, you know, with that because different platforms that worked for some children didn't work for others. Um, everybody wasn't trained on the same platform. Children's access to technology is different. Um, homes are different. You know, some children had parents at mm -hmm. home that could help them with the technology, and some had parents that were working, and then you had kids that were in daycare all day and then had to come on the home and try to work at night or could only work on the weekends. So it was a huge learning curve, and um, it was kind of figuring it out, you know, as did we they, went along. Did they mandate what platforms you had to use, or did they leave it to your choice? Um, it was kind of school by school, um, and then as we went along, the county gave a whole lot of guidance with it as well. Um, I know different counties did different things, um, so you know, it was it was a, a big learning curve for so everybody. So no, no standards. 
Um, well, we had we, uh, we have our standards. Our I mean, North no, no, standards, no standardization but no standard across the board that everybody does this, so that no matter where you go or what you move, it could, you could change from one school to the next. You could, you could definitely, mm. yeah, did and they, from one grade to the next. Did yeah. they bring in someone to show you how well, to do that? Or we had as as time went on, and we realized this was going to be a reality for a while. We had our county stepped up with a lot of training and online training and Zoom you know, training sessions and a lot of professional development that we could take advantage of. But again, that wasn't, you know, that one-on-one yeah. you know, that you would What do you see get. coming up in, because it's, you know, here it is at the end of July and school starts back somewhere toward the end of August if they're going to start it back. What do you, what does that look like to you? What do you think is going to happen? Well, um, you know, I don't know exactly what is going to happen as far as individual schools and counties. And, you know, I'm not too sure that they know yet what's going to happen. Um, But I do know teachers and I do know kids. And the teachers are going to make it happen. You know, whatever um, they ask the teachers to do um, as far as guidelines for safety and health and then the academic side of it, teachers are going to do their absolute best to make it work. And kids, um, you know, they rise to the occasion. They take they their cue do. from the adults, and they, um, you know, they're so resilient and so adaptable that once they get in there, you know, I've heard so many times parents say, um, how do you get my child to sit still? How do you get my child to listen? How do you get my child to behave and, and to do this? Because they won't do it for me, but they do it for their teachers. Well, I so think I that, think that's um, going to. The thing for me is trying to figure out, regardless of what they're going to do, because there's at least three options, at least, I guess. How could a parent prepare, given the fact that even the teachers have not been given clear, this is what you're going to do, how could a parent prepare themselves for, for whatever option they're thinking about being offered or having to walk through that choice? Do you have any tips for them that could help them prepare for that? Sure. Um, I think as the time gets closer for schools, um, school to open, that schools will have a, a plan in place. You know, I don't think they're going to go into it blindly. They're going to have a plan in place, and the teachers will know, you know, by that time. And I'm sure schools will be communicating that to the parents, but there are some things that as parents, you know, if I was a parent of a younger child, um, and I can only speak for the younger children because those are the children that I have taught, um, things that you can do to prepare your child. I know, um, I believe that the governor said, you know, masks would be required um, by students all day long. And I know that's a big concern um, for parents is that, you know, their younger children are going to be required to have masks all day long. So there are some things that you can do. Don't wait for school to start to prepare your child to wear a mask. You know, don't leave it up to that teacher to teach your child how to wear, wear a mask, you know. Um, it would be chaos on the it, first day, it wouldn't would it? It would be. They um, have to teach, and now they're trying to teach them how to wear a mask, yeah. too. So much so, more to do you know, in the classroom. Start small, you know, um, little tricks that you usually do to get your child to do other things, you know. Um, start with short intervals of um mask wearing at home Um, if you don't typically venture out of your house with your child you know have them watch um, play their video game or tv or something wearing their mask for 
you know, short intervals of time, you know, present it to them as, you know, this is your chance to be a superhero. Superheroes wear masks. Mm -hmm. And right now our nurses and our doctors are superheroes and they wear masks all day long. And, you know, this is your time to step up and be a superhero and protect yourself and to protect your friends. You know, I think talking to children, um, sharing your fears and your anxieties about masks or, um, you know, they itch, they're not comfortable, they're hot, you know, um, they're hot for mommy and daddy too, but we wear them, you know, mm-hmm. and, and if you're not a mask wearer um, and don't think that that's important, your child is going to have to wear it at school. So model that behavior as much as you can, you know, in front of them, uh-huh. even if it's so just you're putting at pressure home. On us parents. Now yeah. we have to, so we gotta, we gotta actually, not tell them to do what I say, not what I do. Right. We actually have to do it as well. Yeah. That's a great tip because I, I didn't really consider thinking about a, a child wearing a mask, but not just wearing it, but whenever, when do you take it off? How do you care for it? What if it gets dirty? Don't chew on it. You know, don't make an airplane out of it. Right. And like it's that. not just the, you know, uncomfortableness of it. It's scary for some kids, mm. you know, that and, and with their teachers, you know, they've never some of them have never seen their teacher before. They don't know what they look like normally. And now their teacher is going to be yeah. wearing a mask, you know. So I, I would think if I was a teacher, I would probably take a picture of myself in a mask and, you know, try to, um, you know, communicate that, send that home to um, my prospective students or something like How that. How does a teacher do that to, without getting in trouble? Oh, I, I'm sure the schools will come up okay. with a way, even yeah. if it's even if we it's, don't you want know, anybody putting a poster in trouble. up you know outside I mean? the school. Right. I can no. see this now. <laughs> <laughs> we, there are some people that are don't. stalking our kids. Mm-hmm. Oh. They, they are not coming. We, you know, we no, but I'm sure, sure the schools okay. will come up with some way, whether it's you know posting pictures of your child's teacher, you know, online with a mask on, or you know, on yeah. the staff webpage, things like that. So if you had to, um, if you had to say, okay, we've got. If I'm understanding correctly, there's the potential, even if they haven't settled on it yet. I know in Pender County, they're talking about A and B days. And in New Hanover County, they're talking about a one week on and two week off. So it's like one week in class, two weeks where you're online, and they're rotating three specific groups. Mm -hmm. And then there's the potential for you can just homeschool your child if you want to. Those are three radically different options. Mm -hmm. And... Though it's an option, I think options are only an option to those who are qualified to be able to do that. So what if a person feels like that they're not qualified to homeschool their child, but there's so much fear about what's going on, they're going to try it. And my, one of my concerns, not a fear, a concern is that these children have the potential to fall behind, that to not stay at pace. Right. And if they don't stay at pace then it's going to affect them as this does go away and we start moving into the school. Uh, it'll affect the pace. Do, do you have any insight as to what maybe should be the priority for a parent to think about? Because I know that we all have a bit of fear right now. And I will tell you from a pastoral standpoint, please do not let fear make your decision. Right. Please don't. Fear will always lead you to the wrong decision. So do you have any recommendations on that at all? And you may not. And it's okay if you don't. But do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I think that's definitely a valid concern with with children falling behind. And I know this past school year, um, we had children who were working online um, at home um, and then just dropped out, you know, and Mm. it was MIA and you did not 
you know, really have any communication with them for the last, you know, five weeks of school, you know, as much as you tried. Um, and, you know, as a school, we made a list of those kids, you know, knowing that when school started back, those were the kids who were going to be behind and those were the kids who were going to need extra attention and extra remediation mm -hmm. um, and would need to be pulled in small groups, you know, to try to you know, fill in all of those gaps and all of those holes that they were going to be coming with the next school year. So I'm sure as the school year, you know, goes on and schools, we meet all of the time as teachers and, and administrators and instructional coaches and reading specialists, and we know the kids that fall behind. Yeah. And we'll work to try to catch them up. It's definitely a valid concern for a parent um, and the teacher. And do I don't think, have a real answer. Do you think that there's something that Northside could do for concerned parents, uh, any, any kind of forum or information or things like that, that we could offer them to help them at least have some measure of knowledge that they could take for themselves, uh, consume for themselves, so that when they're making a decision, it's not just a, well, I, I, I guess that this is the best I know how to do or to make an informed decision. Do you see anything that we as a church could do? And I'm only asking that question not because we have the answer, but because we want to help, but we need to make sure that the help that we would offer is actually help. Right. You know? Right. So maybe that's something we have to brainstorm. Yeah. I don't know. Well, first and foremost, I think we need to be praying for our parents, um, praying for our teachers, praying for the people in charge, the leadership. It's not easy, yeah. um, the decisions that they have to make. And I know a lot of people are frustrated. Um, I was frustrated, and I know parents are frustrated now. Um, but it's also a time that we need to be exhibiting a lot of grace. Yeah. Um, grace for the people in charge, grace for the teachers, parents, you know, giving themselves a break. Yeah. You're not going to break your child. Yeah, I think when <laughs> you you're know? frustrated, you let that frustration out, and it's hard enough for everybody already. It is. I appreciate Beverly Leonard. Uh, she just kind of put in a comment up there. They homeschool, and there's a, there's a group in our church that does homeschool. Yeah. And so there may be some resources out there. Uh, they may be a great resource to have, ask questions to parents and stuff like that. I think, though— that for me, when we're talking this way, it seems like, oh, well, let's do this or let's do this or let's do this. Is there a cost associated with any of these things? Like if you choose to homeschool, is it fair for me to assume, and maybe Anita, you could weigh in on this. Is it fair for me to assume that homeschool is not free? I, I don't know. Uh, it depends on how you homeschool. There are some schools in North Carolina. Um, I have a reference material that I gave to Pastor Kenny. And the last few pages of it list different types of online schools. And so um, there's Christian-based online schools. Most of your Christian-based online schools are not free. There's going to be a tuition charge either per class or per, uh, per semester. Um, and then there's also virtual public charter schools that are online. The one I work for is a public charter school, NCVBA, NCVA and it's completely free. We have what they call synchronous learning. This is synchronous right here. We're all together face-to-face. -face. And even though online you might not be face-to-face, -face, in that particular setting that I teach in, um, we, the students can turn on their cameras. This, uh, I can write on the whiteboard and they can see it. Uh, so it's fully online, but it's also fully 
face to face in reality, even though we're not in a brick and mortar classroom. Right. So that's uh, the school I work at, NCVA, North Carolina Virtual and gonna, Academy, and it's we're free. We're going to post those in the comments as we're talking right, right now. So right. if you're watching and you're looking for what this resource material is that Anita has pulled together for us, it is in the comments and you can download that because we want to make sure we had some resources for you guys. So if you're searching for a homeschool or an online school, you do have to consider the cost. If it's traditional homeschool, you might be buying those textbooks. You might be buying some videos online, um, you know, to keep that homeschool going. Uh, if it also is not, you know, a Christian-based school um, or it's not homeschool, it's just a regular online school, There's there may be costs if it's not free. I would start researching those schools, you know, and you can just look up things like I did, top 10 you know, free public online schools, top 10 free private schools, because private usually means that there's going to be a high tuition. So I'd start looking for those. The other things you really want to look for is the way the learning happens. Like it, this is synchronous. We're all together face to face, whether we're on webcams or we're just using chat boxes, you know, and talking to each other. Can you see my whiteboard while I'm teaching? Um, and can you interact with me and ask me questions? Or is it asynchronous where I give you an assignment, I send you some emails, you maybe we're in Canvas because Canvas is that platform that the high school, um, high school groups use in New Hanover County Schools. So really think about how your child learns. Do they prefer seeing each other? You know, whether it's live or not, you know, I can touch you, I can be close to you six feet, or whether it's just in camera. Uh, so think about the way that they learn. How do they, you know your child. Do they learn better by watching somebody else, by interacting with somebody else, or are they, are they very independent? So one of the things I put in the document, too, is think about your child. Are they independent learners? Are they motivated? That's some of the things that you want to consider if you're thinking about homeschool, if you're thinking about online school. Well, look here. If you're talking about me, yeah. I'm thinking about not going to school at all. <laughs> okay, so I'm a, I'm a student, and I'm thinking, okay, they're going to do this online school deal, and... I'm going to tell my mom I want to be online. That way I can sleep in till about 10 o'clock in the morning, get up, watch some cartoons or play some video games or something like that, get a little bit of bite to lunch and Act like talk to my something. friends, play mm -hmm. on Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, whatever they do. And, and Doesn't that sound like what kids would do? Don't you think that <laughs> I'm just yeah. saying if it was me, I'm thinking, hey, a whole year long vacation. How yeah. about you, Mike? I'm me and Mike are hanging well, out together. That was the same you know question. I mean? She was talking. I'm thinking, so what tips can we give to the parents? Because if, if you're talking about me, I'm going to have to have some type of routine and supervision right. to, to get this well, done. Well, I'll let both of them speak yes. to that because, you know, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're already done. We're, we're finished. Yeah. We're out of school. Yeah. You know? Staying involved and having communication with your child's teacher is going to be vital. Amen. Um, whether you're in the public schools and you are doing the hybrid where you have one week where your child is, you know, in a, in a smaller group and, and at the school with the teacher and then two weeks online, just as you would ask them, you know, when they get home from school, what did you do in school today? Let me check your folder. Let's go through and look at your grades. You need to be prepared as a parent to do that same kind of thing a little bit differently, but staying involved. How would you recommend that for a parent who is already, they're kind of, they're a little stressed. Yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know how many are going to leave their kids home. Some of them, I think, will have to. Uh, so they're a little bit worried about that. And then, of course, they got the worries of the job. I'm not sure that we all really recognize it's not life as normal right now. There's a lot of differences out here. We've even had some of our own staff members that I've had to send home, quarantine for a little while. They've come in contact with somebody, and 
the real challenge of being on church staff is if you shut one of us down, you shut all of us down. And we got to be real careful about that. So is there a, a scheduling thought for a parent that they're not accustomed to? I mean, if you're listening as a parent, it's not life is normal and it's not uh, it's simple, the advice that we would give, but it's not always easy. Right. You know, so it's not complex to understand, but you're going to have to do some things. Yeah, I think it's important to make virtual school or homeschooling look as much like regular schooling as you can, if they, especially if they've been in, in the public school and been in a classroom and now they're having to do this. Um, kids thrive on structure and routine. So mm-hmm. having that structure and routine in place, you know, getting up at the same time that you would normally get up, um, maybe a little later, but, you know, getting up at the same time every day, going ahead and eating a good breakfast, getting dressed for school, and having that place in your house. You know, it's not let's grab the laptop and let's go sit on the couch and do my schoolwork, you know, in front of the TV. Yeah. They need this a quiet place for so them. So TV off for a certain TV period of time while off, you're doing a school. a quiet place that's preferably, you know, not near the TV or near a place where they play so that they can go and really focus on their schoolwork, having their materials already, like if they need a highlighter or they need a calculator, paper and pencil, you know, they're going to use whatever excuse they can to get up and go on a rabbit trail no. around the house and try to, try to find those things. So, you know, minimizing well, those distractions. By I was just thinking, things. what about snack time? Yeah, definitely <laughs> having a schedule in place. Yes. Um, so have, lunchtime, snack time. Yes, in school, Absolutely. you know, their day is broken up. You know, they have recess, they have lunch, they have specials like art, music, and PE that break up those amounts of learning time, you know, from their from their regular academics like reading and math. So it's important to have a schedule for your child so that they know, okay, I work for this long and then I have a break, whether it's being able to watch TV, being able to go for a walk, being able to play outside. I would try to minimize during their break times the TV time and the video games because their eyes are going to need a break. They're sitting yeah. looking at a computer screen. So, you know, those kinds of things um, are good, good planning and a How schedule. How about I'm a, I think I'm a parent and I can't even do my kids' homework. And now they expect me to homeschool them or uh, be there to help them for the two weeks that they're on the online stuff. And, uh, you know, you can't expect a, a teacher to be able to answer the questions of however many students he or she has. That would be a real challenge. So what do you say to the parent who, like, I don't, I don't know how to necessarily teach my kids. Is there help with the online material that makes that intuitive? Or I, I've not seen anything like that, but, but maybe, Anita, you could speak to that. Well, certain schools already have tutoring available. Like, for example, NCVPS, North Carolina Virtual Public School, uh, which is originally designed as recovery credit for students, but now is, you know, a fully online school for middle and high school kids to get more credits. They have their own peer tutoring center. So you can, so if you're a middle or high school student and you're taking a course with them, you can ask to get help. Um, and then I would so is just. is that tutoring for the student or for the parent? <laughs> <laughs> it's tutoring for the student. But, you know, okay. a lot of times when we're live on, online 
like for example, if I'm teaching online, I'm teaching a live session, I'll have a parent that comes in the chat box to ask me a question. So I think if there's some way the schools could find to do more of the synchronous learning like we're doing right now, if possible, then I, I, as a teacher, wouldn't have a problem with a parent coming online and start chatting with me. You know, can you send me some more examples? I can you make that. a video for me? And then, you know, Pastor, you were talking about these support groups. Um, I think it'd be great if we had like a support group of teachers who wouldn't mind, you know, doing some of that tutoring and helping the parents, you know, and, and, as a tutor and math teacher, I've done a lot of that. Some I've done for free, some I've done for pay. But um, I think we're like one of the things I say in this document I have is that we're all in this together. Yeah. There is no way to get through this by ourselves. We have to reach out for help. And and I really think if you're a, a teacher at heart, your day doesn't end at four o'clock. Your day doesn't end oh. at seven o'clock. You're no. going to reach out to those kids. And I've seen so much of that from teachers I've worked with in the past, just reading what they put on Facebook and chatting with them. They, they're they still online now trying to help kids if you're looking really closely on some of the social media. Um, so reach out to the teachers, like Kim said. Don't be afraid to look for those tutoring centers and like for NCVPS, that's free. Same thing for the um, company I work for. Um, those are just some of my suggestions. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I think one of the bigger challenges, even looking at the comments that are online, you see the helpfulness. You see the desire to help, and I really appreciate that. We want to, as a church, try to figure out if there's some way you know, can corral that together. One of the real serious questions that's come in that I'm not sure I have an answer to is, yes. let's say that you both parents work, but your children are too young to stay home by themselves. What do they do? I'm not sure I have an answer to that. I don't know that the school systems or the governor or anybody else has considered the fact that school allows parents to work. That that's one. It's not a babysitting service by any stretch of the imagination, but you, we have structured our lives around this normalcy of, I know that my kids are going to be in school for 12 years. And so we plan around that. Now we have a whole host of parents who are thinking, I got to, one in first grade and one in third grade and one in fifth grade and i have to work there could be a single parent you could have a two uh two fam two parent household that both parents are working and they need to uh, where do they find themselves i mean i don't know if there's anything out there you have any you might not i don't i don't have an answer to that question uh, i know that things my major answer would be things can't stay the same during a time whenever there are major challenges like this, it's like I said this morning and last week, you're going to have to trim that sail and you're going to have to tack upstream and you're going to have to move with the way the wind's blowing so you can keep moving forward. And that might require some more specific uh, time to figure out what each person's individual challenge is. I don't know that there's a program out there. If, they, if there is, I'm unaware. Do you, either one of you? No, have and any I idea? think. Um, that's something that the school system, I feel like, is going to have to deal with on a case-by-case -case basis. I can't yeah. speak for the school system, but I imagine that, you know, I know with essential workers, you know, we had essential workers who had children who, yeah. who they went to daycare. Uh, the daycare still operated, um, you know, for so that they could go to work. Um, and all of this time during these closures, we've had children in daycares. Mm -hmm. um, so I think it's, you know, looking to see how the daycares you know, how things went with them during this time of closure. 
um, when those children had to go to you know go somewhere for the for those parents to be able to work i don't know what the plan is you know as far as the schools i'm sure there are heard, going to be parents who and i think that's the challenge that we're looking somewhere. at school and when does school open how many weeks it just depends on which school you're attending and which district which you're county. attending but it's got to be it's by the end of august correct probably yes middle. so that's only yeah, what, middle of five, august. five weeks or four to five weeks and we still don't have clarity. And I think that this is where the, the parents are so, I don't want to say frustrated, but nervous because they're, I, I have to make a, a decision in, in a week right. or, or something like that. And so knowing that's the case for all of you parents that are listening, I, I think that you can't always just wait until that information comes out. You're going to have to pick three or four different options of what you think is going to happen. And then whenever it finally does come out, what is going to happen, you're further down the road. And if you can adjust them a little bit, but if you're just going to wait, you're going to find yourself coming up short and it's going to be really be bad for you. I wish I could answer the question of what do we do when we have our kids out there. Because um, it's going to be a, I, I don't even want to use the word burden, but it's going to be extra expense oh, or yeah. daycare, which I know Taylor, my daughter works in one, so they're open. But then if you can't get into daycare, you have to hire a babysitter. So, again, it's, it's extra expense, and that's just something that's going to have to be addressed. It's a hardship at, for a lot of families. Uh, Pastor Kenny, I wanted to respond to this one. I, I can't give a complete response, but I can give something from um, just my background. It's from Amy Sheldon. How would you approach creating structure for learning, time for varying grades? Um, and she talks about different grade levels. So in you're her, in the same household? Yeah, different yeah. grade levels in the same household and having a little one. Uh, I'm not really uh, thinking there about the structure because I think you should have some kind of schedule like Kim and I have been talking about during the day, just like a typical school schedule, if you can, if possible. But I think my big concern would be the core content areas. Make sure that student is doing some math. Make sure that student is doing some reading. Every child has a different schedule every day, different subjects. I would really focus more on those core subject areas than anything. We want our kids to have prerequisite knowledge when they come to the next grade level. Uh, we want to see them do fairly well on our assessments, whether it's formative or summative at the end of the year. But we really need to focus on those core areas because those are going to carry every year. So I wouldn't really... Um, I think the schedule is important, but I think we should really focus on those core subject areas if we have time to help our kids at home. Yeah, I don't want to piggyback on that and just give a hearty affirmation to that because in all of the things that I preach here at this church, if you really look at life, there are only a few things in life that you build everything else in life about. Those basics, those fundamentals, those things that you can build on. And so maybe home economics is not one of those things, but certainly, uh, you know, this is, now I'm getting ready to date myself. Okay. You just did with home economics. Okay, well. Yeah. And, or heard the art teachers do. I, I, I took home economics. Did you take home mm -hmm. economics? Good. Mm -hmm. uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic. Those things were the foundations. And if you could do that, you could go anywhere you wanted to almost. And so I know that there's a great deal of variety of, of electives and things like that, but I would really agree you do have to focus on the fundamentals. And then, you know, for the, for the teachers, I think that, man, I'm praying for the teachers. That's what I know. I'm praying for teachers because, you know, Melissa, uh, my daughter-in-law, is uh, just 
she's she's thinking through it and very hard worker thinking about her kids loves her kids and things like that and uh, I know how difficult it is because she's awaiting even information from the school system what are we doing and they don't know yet fortunately you don't have to worry about it because <laughs> you just retired so you're good to go but even for teachers I think that they too have to kind of look at some fundamental things and and pray that the the government recognizes the hardship and the challenge and they'll make some adjustments at least for this time but even if they do you really have to think about your kids what their ultimate future is going to be and this one year could have a very dramatic impact on them and i want to go back to what i preached on this morning personal responsibility don't expect the state or the teachers to be responsible for your child's education they're there to be a link in the chain for your child's education you're gonna have to do something you've never done before as a parent you have to take extra special care measure and time making sure that your kids stay at pace. And I think that's just imp really important. That's going to be the fundamental area. We, I wanted to jump on Amy's question about, she said adequately. So if you have more than two children, three children, I got a seventh grader and I got a, a senior in high school, you were talking about having a special place or a specific place for them. Would you have them at the same table, or would you separate those two? Well, you know your kids, <laughs> and <laughs> you know I, I would say you you know you know how your kids do. Um, every family is going to be different. You might have children who can sit at the same table and work together, and some families that is not going to work. Um, you have um, some families might only have one device. You know, if you're talking about homeschooling and sitting at a computer, so it might be that you know you have one child who does their schoolwork from 9 to 12, but your other child might do their schoolwork from 2 to 5. You know, you just have to figure it out as your, you know, as your family. And I would say sit down, you know, with your kids and have a meeting and talk about, you know, how things are going to go and get opinions from your children, especially if they're, you know, older elementary and middle and high school. Um, talk to them about what they think would work best and have a, just a serious conversation. I think our children, you know, they're, they're well aware of what's going on. Um, we need to explain to them that, you know, we're home, but this is not a vacation. Right. That school is very important and, and your grades are still very important. You will still have tests. Um, sometime, you know, in the future, they will still have standardized tests. I know this past school year, you know, the governor eliminated that right. for the, I don't know about this coming school year. Um, but they are going to still be held to the standards. So are you saying, and, and I think I hear what you're saying, as a parent, my guess, again, there's a lot of frustration among parents. Frustration usually leads to conversation or verbiage, speech. If your kids are listening to you fuss and complain about what's happening, it will give them uh, sort of the permission and the license to do the same. True and probably lay off so even at a time when you don't always agree with everything and you are frustrated i think it's important to realize that our kids are listening to us and it could be counterproductive whenever we're tr actually trying to get them to learn because they may say well you're you're frustrated dad you're frustrated mom i'm frustrated too i don't want to do it i think this is stupid i think this is crazy those are things that we would say right. you know as we're yelling at the tv and the news media and things <laughs> like that as we do that, that that could be a real challenge so i think that you, you have to do that uh quite a bit a question, this is a really good question uh, from Darcy. 
and one we haven't touched on yet, but how, how does a parent support their students that have an individual IEP or they have SDA classes and they're trying to distance and do virtual learning? How, how do they do that? Do you have any suggestions on that? Because you know that if a student has an IEP, that they've already had some challenges trying to stay on either it's the learning environment, it's a way that they learn, a way that they hear, a way that they listen, so that IEP helps them and they're accustomed to being able to get that, it helps them to keep at pace. But now you've got a child at home that had an IEP, but what does the parent do? Because they were looking to the professionals at school to know how to handle that, how do they handle that at home, or an SDA because they have a special need or something like that, and maybe they don't even know what's going on because we don't know what's going on, (laughs) you know? I think it's important for parents to reach out to the support personnel at the school. Um, we have guidance counselors, social workers, special ed teachers, um, especially if they're in the, you know, they're at school and then they're home and then they're at school and then they're home. I know I had read something about um, the possibility that maybe children that had IEPs or special needs along with um, English as a second language children, you know, might have the option in some places to go the whole time. Okay. Um, you know, I, I think the schools are looking into things like that um, to make accommodations for those families. But, you know, if, if that's not an option, I think it's still in, very important to keep connected with that child's teacher um, if, if they're, you know, connected to the public school. But even without that, I know that there are county resources um, that, you know, help with those kinds of things that could give um, advice. I think trying trying to not do everything yourself but reach out for help and support yeah, is very I, important. Yeah, I think that Mike and I, certainly Worth and Holly and me and Mike and Joe and Elliot and Philip and all of us in the office have been sitting around the table, and I think that our greatest concern is here we are with this wonderful church. Massive resource, uh, people resource massive people resource a lot of intelligent people sitting in our pews skilled and gifted people sitting in our pews huge facility that is empty it's empty um, this morning I had you know 15 or 20 people in here most of them to run cameras and things like that except for the baptismal uh, people and also the staff that comes in and we have all of these uh, people here, and we're trying to figure out, this is a time for the church to rise up and do what we can. There's only so much we can do. But in support of a teacher, because I know that our teachers have got to be thinking, like I've been thinking, how do I make sure? I've had to learn to look into the lens of that camera right. and see it as a person because there are people on the other side of that camera. And I realize that. The reason that we have these microphones in front of us today is because instead of us yelling at this singular microphone we have out here and you know people listening hard or something like that uh, to say, no, we need to up the game in this very specific time to be able to do that. For the teachers, I w- I'm going to assume that teachers are going to get quite overwhelmed this year. How do we, how do parents, parents specifically, parents who are frustrated with the whole situation, where are they going to take it out on? Who are they going to take it out on? Teacher. teacher. They're going to take it out on the teacher. How can a parent aid that teacher in being successful who has just been dropped with this huge load? Because am I correct or am I incorrect? Oh. That Not just in that, but am I correct in this? That if a, if a teacher has to teach live, 
So the teacher's teaching live every single week because she's just rotating between a group. But then does he or she also have to do an online content? Do they have to come up with it on their own? Is it pre-done for them? And I, I would think probably not. So their work is, it, I can tell you this, as we've been doing this virtual, it is about three times harder and more difficult to do virtual than to do live. Right. There's so much more preparation, so much more time, so much more consideration, so much, just so much that you've got to do to make it all right. And now uh, I, I know of teachers, they work the school day, and everybody who's not a teacher says, you guys don't even got to work a whole day. You don't even have to work a whole year. What a gravy job that you have. Now, kind of like a preacher. Yeah, well, I only work <laughs> yeah, on Sunday. Yeah, you only work on Sunday. We know better than that. Yeah. I know that you guys work at the schoolhouse, and then you take it home. Just ask your spouses. You take it home, grading papers, writing stuff, thinking about things, buying stuff out of your own pockets and things like that. So there's a whole lot that goes along with being a teacher. How can, what could we say to the parents that are watching that I know are frustrated, but it's not because your teacher did something. It's, it's the leaders that are trying to figure out what to do. How can we support our, our teachers? Um, and also remembering those teachers have their own children That's to right. homeschool yeah. on those homeschool weeks. Yeah. Um, so they're trying to teach, you know, your children online and juggle their own homeschool schooling of their own children. Um, I think patience and grace again, um, there are going to be times when the technology doesn't work, when that teacher has sent you something to, for your child to open, and it won't open. Fortunately, at Northside, our technology works 100% <laughs> of the time perfectly, all the time, and we never have challenges. So we, we're we very blessed that way. Oh, goodness. Um, but there definitely are going to be times that the technology doesn't, doesn't work. There are going to be times when um, they've sent you a video for your child to watch, and the video link doesn't work or it doesn't open or it works on a laptop, but it won't work on an iPad. That's not the teacher's fault? Um, nope, not oh, okay. our fault. Okay. Um, but it's important to communicate. I think um, every teacher I know checks their email dozens of times during the day. That's right. Um, I gave my parents um, during the time off. I know some teachers didn't, and it's a personal thing. But during that time at home, I gave my parents my cell phone number. Mm. And um, there, there are reasons teachers don't do that, and I don't have a problem with that at Keith all. Keith appreciated that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I had some kids, some parents who texted me on the weekends because they could only help their children with their work during the weekends, and um, you know, eight nine o'clock at night. Sometimes I was trying to help a parent open up a file or figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, every I know for us, we used Google Classroom, and we were the teachers are going to be so much more prepared. For this coming school right. year, because they because of what they we just went it, yes. through, mm -hmm. um, but it, it's not a matter, you know, of being able to give a child a worksheet to do, because mm -hmm. you can't get that worksheet back from that child. So everything that you created had to be something that you created digitally to put on the platform so that they could manipulate on their computer and then send it back to you, and that was for every assignment. Wow. You know, every video your teacher made, um, you know, it takes a lot of planning. I worked harder. I did not plan. I had already planned to retire this year. Right. Um, but um, it, I worked harder this year in my 
29 years. At the, I worked harder this last quarter of school than I ever have. And it was all day long from the time I got up in the morning till 10, 11 o'clock at night. So I'm hearing communication. And Anita, I think that you being an online teacher uh, mainly could maybe speak to that as well. How, how important is that communication? Oh, it's absolutely important. It, it doesn't. The biggest thing I'm really thinking of is what Kim said a minute ago. A lot of our teachers have children at home doing this same thing. And we're trying to find time to make the lessons. We're trying to find time to record, trying to find time to answer those questions. And we still have to make time for our own children to teach them. So it has to be that the parents just have to be understanding. They have to be patient. But we still want them to encourage encourage them to contact us as much as possible and I think it goes the other way too I think the teachers have to be very understanding of what happens on the other end because we don't know what happens in that home but we have our own homes and we know the reality of what it's like when you've got children running around um, and trying to cook and go to work and all of these things and so I think teachers you know that grace goes both ways Um, you know it's important for that teacher to reach out to that family that you haven't seen that child's work or heard from that child in a few days, you know, making those phone calls and reaching out and try to, what can I do to help you with your child, child's online, you know, learning. You know, I said this morning in the service and and we got to get ready to draw this to a close. I know that we could talk about this forever and ever. Uh, What I said this morning though, was it is, it's so easy to miss how easy life was that we were going along at a normal pace and we're very accustomed to things sort of being at our fingertips and they just happen as we want. And I said, Christianity has been easy, honestly, for a little while, but now it's a little more difficult because just what you say or what you think or what you're saying is not enough. Now it's coming down to, hey, where do you stand? Where do you stand on some of these issues? And I think that being in school where it was a very customary thing that we shipped them out the door and then we didn't think about until they came back, it's not going to be that way now. And so as parents, uh, leaders, church leaders, community leaders, parents at home, school leaders, all everybody has got to put a, our best foot forward. And this is the time that I think we really have the opportunity to shine. That it's going to be hard. I, I don't, there's no doubt that it's going to be hard. And we here at Northside, we want to do anything and everything that we can to make this better. This initial conversation was to try to open up a conversation and to be able to say, If there are ideas out there that you can send our way, we'd like to hear them. And we can do this again and have another forum where maybe we've come together and thought of some different ways that uh, some people with some other challenges, we could figure out, is there a way that Northside could help out with some of that? I don't know, but I'm certainly open to the opportunity. So uh, if if there's any closing comments that you two want to share that you think, man, I've been burning, dying to say this, and you didn't ask me the question, now's your chance. I wanted to respond to a comment um, that Bonnie put up earlier. Um, So let's say that you're helping your child and you're struggling yourself to read some of the content because it might not, you know, you just, the words aren't familiar, the vocabulary. There is a lot of software out there that has e-readers. As a matter of fact, Internet Explorer is now Microsoft Edge, and Microsoft Edge, if you put the right kind of content 
online like a PDF. You can just click a button at the top of Microsoft Edge and it'll read those words to you. So I oh, you think need to, you need to tell me where that's at. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking that, that. If I had all of that in Google, <laughs> I'd have made straight A's. Well, uh, there's features in Google too. So I think one of the things that parents need to do is get in touch with what's called an instructional technology facilitator with your public school system. So some of them are called instructional technology facilitators. In Onslow County, they call them digital learning teaching facilitators. But they are those teachers that know the most about the technology and the way it works. Um, also, just get in touch with someone, email how, how someone. Would they, how would they do that? Uh, you can go to a school website, look under the website for the digital learning or the, uh, you know, E so let's say here, if it was Laney, Trask, Murray Middle, that we would just go to their website. Go to their website. Some uh, New Edinburgh County actually has a digital learning website and a separate website. I just went to the top and looked underneath their bookmarks. You know, they have their tabs at the top and found the digital learning website. And then I found the group of teachers that support, like, where's the teacher at Laney High School that supports uh, teachers with their digital learning? Okay. And then they you can reach out to one of those digital learning specialists, uh, reach out to them via email, and see if they can give you some help um, in, you know, getting things read to your students or opening up files or, you know, finding a way to download something that you can't download. But there's people that can help you. You just have to know how to find them. So go on to the school's website or go into the county's website and look for their digital learning pages. Sometimes there's help in there for teachers. New Hanover County actually has a huge collection that they put together of support for teachers. One of the questions in there was, how, does I, how do I support my husband who's a teacher? I'm sure there's something on that county's website that's going to help that teacher learn how to put that learning content together. Okay. Kim, do you have anything final you'd like to share? Um, I think instead of looking at the negative, we need to also look, you know, look at the positives. How how, how often do you get to spend so much time with your child? You know, <laughs> yeah. and really know exactly what it is that your child is learning, and being able to sit with your child. I know it's difficult. Um, I, I cannot even imagine, in, you know, in some households with men, with many children. But um, what a time as a family to be able to be together and mm -hmm. to look back years from now at what you went through and the challenges that you overcame. And you could always use this, you know, years from now as a watershed moment, you know, look, we, what we went through and, yeah. and how we grew stronger as a family. And, and as a teacher, I think, um, you know, that one week where I had that small group of children, you know, as teachers, we've always talked about class size, yeah. you know, and what we could do if we had that small group of kids. And now that every, every week we're getting a different small group of kids. So, you know, it seems like, oh my gosh, how are they going to learn as much as they did in the past? Well, we've, they're going to have a small group of kids to work with and what you can do with that smaller group, what you can do when you're not having so much standardized testing all, all year yeah. long, which is, you know, it seems like it's been taken away for a while. Um, so there are some positives. Um, and if we look toward the positives and we communicate to our children a good attitude, you know, they are listening to everything we say. Yes, they are. And so if, you know, if we just remind them that their teachers love them, if they have to wear a mask at school, well, this is how you get to see your friends. Yeah. You know, just think of, of what's going to happen when you get to school. And you get you, to protect your friends. You get to protect your friends. You get to be with your friends. Um, 
and and just try to try yeah. to build. I, you build know, I think up that that's another thing. thing. You know, Jesus always told us that we ought to think more highly of another person, uh, even more highly than we think of ourselves. And it's those biblical principles that we can put forward. Yes, a lot of things we're doing is frustrating, but it's also an opportunity for a learning opportunity and things like that. So I think that's vitally important. And I want to thank. Oh, uh, can, I, can I say one more thing? Sure. I think um, there's a lot of concern about online learning and virtual learning, but we have to think about it in a different way. There is literally no bullying in online learning. Unless, of course, somebody says something in a chat box and you can snap them off in just a second and cut them off. <laughs> there is, you don't have to worry about the germs in online learning. And to me, having experienced that for a year now, there's a lot more conversation. The kids that really are concerned about their learning are going to let you know. The parents that are really concerned about the learning are going to let you know. Sometimes in the face-to-face -face classroom, a kid might not understand something and then they get home and they forget to tell mom and dad you know but if there's a video they watched or something they can replay that back you know so i feel like sometimes we think negative about online learning but it actually it's it's just it's different and like i said less germs but there there seems to be a lot more interaction i have a lot more conversations in online learning than I've had in the classroom sometimes. Students that normally will not talk to you will talk to you when they're online, if you have that synchronous sessions. I, think I just younger, wanted to give a pause. Younger children, it might work a little bit differently, but I put together some tips to help um, have a positive virtual learning experience at home with your children um, and some tips for those of you who are doing the public school to um, transition. Um, back to public school, some things that would make that a little and bit we, easier, we put and those, I think that's on the website. Yeah, we put those on the in the comment section, comment section. and uh, we'll make sure that we put those on the website as well so that it's out there for you. Uh, I want to say thank you to both of you for coming. Yes, thank you. Because I could not have answered any of those questions, and I appreciate the fact that you would lend that to us. This has been more of a bigger shotgun approach right now. My hope is that for all who are watching, and whether it's live or, or either afterwards, that you can still comment in, and the more comments that we get, the more understanding we have of the challenge. And we can either come back and do a more targeted and focused situation at a later date, or uh, we can look at things that maybe are possible that we could do here around the church. The only way we'll ever know is to ask. And so that's something we want to do. And I just think it's been, uh, I know that it's been informative and helpful to our online audience, and we appreciate you tuning in. I want you to know that, that here at the church that we have taken a very proactive approach to try to make sure that we can provide better content, things that are relevant, things that are critical to you right now. Next Sunday night at 4 o'clock, I hope you guys will tune in. I want to talk about the reality of this pandemic that's going on, and I'm bringing in a couple of the nurses that are here in our congregation that are right in the thick of it. They are in the hospitals. They are involved in it very deeply. And they can give us not misinformation, they can give us information, and then we can make our own decisions based on good information, which is what we need right now. And I'm thrilled about the opportunity that we have here in this podcast, things that we have opportunity to do, people that we're trying to bring in to uh, further advance what we're doing. I appreciate the fact that people will listen to me, but there are a lot smarter people out there than me in a variety of different areas. And I want to bring in the smartest people that we can in all of these specific areas to best aid our congregation. 
And you two today have been two of those very intelligent people that we love yes. and we appreciate that have sat in our pews, helped our church in so many ways. And I don't think people really understand that. And if I can give a, a shout out to online learning, to me, this is a lot like that where we weren't ever doing this. But because we sort of got forced to doing it, a door opened up that I, I personally didn't realize how powerful some of this stuff could be and how many people we could reach and how many people we could help. So I'm hoping that the same thing will happen both in the online learning platform as well as the sharing of the days, whether that's you know A, B, and C days or A, B days or whatever they are. And not only that, if you're a Northsider and you're a teacher or you're a counselor or you're, you're an administrator or anything like that, and you would be willing to be in a pool that if people did send questions our way, obviously I can't answer them. But if we could pass those questions on and then we could get the questions, the answers back to as a way of supporting members of our congregation or members of the community, whoever might write in, uh, I hope that you would let us know that so that we can do that. Also, we, we discussed about if they had needs in the classroom, like supplies, they wanted to send in that. That was something we wanted to yeah, be I think able that we'll, to help. We'll look into some of those things. I think that what we wanted to offer you specifically today was some intellectual information. Like, how do you have a successful back to the classroom for your younger students or for your older students? The things that Kim put together, the resources that Anita put together, I think it's a great start. And then as we let this thing kind of blossom, because we don't know what it's yet, we don't know what it is yet. Whenever it starts to blossom and we can see what it is, we want to come back and revisit this and see what we can do as a church. And certainly next week we'll take a look and see what we can do for the medical community because they are certainly wearing capes on their back right now. They yes. are definitely our heroes as much as you teachers are our heroes today. Mike and I feel like we're just sort of along for the ride. Thank you for letting and us be here. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, so for you who are listening, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight. Until we see you again, I pray that you'll have a blessed day. God bless you and have a great evening.